we're going to talk rugby up next because uh, there's a letter that was sent by Saru to its unions. Not happy with the lack of transformation in the teams. Concerned the fact that there are seven white coaches in Super Rugby unlocked and they don't know what to say to the minister when they are asked questions. So we'll find out from Kanyiso Chwaku now as we celebrate or mark one year since the box won the Rugby World Cup. As they say, rugby going forward or backwards. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. And Kanyiso is already on the line here to talk to us about this matter. There is a letter that was sent out to the unions. Uh, not everybody has that letter, but you know how journalism works. You will always find uh, that information that you're looking for. And Kanyiso Chwaku is from Tiso Blackstar, an SABC sports reporter. Kanyiso, good evening and thanks for speaking to us tonight on SAFM. Good evening, Tabiso. Good evening to the listeners. I saw your tweet, actually, one year since the box won the World Cup. You still have the newspaper from that day on your desk. How long are you going to keep that paper for? Well, um, chances are I'm actually keen on actually framing it, to be honest. I mean, I, I mean the, the process of putting together that edition was very fraught because, um, I mean, a number of stories came in on the day. I mean, Liam Delcom was covering the tournament for us um, live from Japan. And, I mean, you, you know... Um, producing a paper is stressful and fun. I think that that edition was probably one of the most joyful ones I've ever put together. In that, we planned, everything was planned, and all it needed was for the Springboks to win. Other than that, if, if they hadn't won, um, things could have been very tricky. But uh, look, they worked on their 12-year cycle. They won, and putting together the paper, they became just a matter of course. And it was, very, it was a very, very nice paper to put together. I think um, I've had it on my desk since um, that'll be November 4th. So I'll, I've kept it there ever since. I, I, I just read it at that particular, on that particular Tuesday after the, um, after the final. And then I closed it, put it together, and I've pretty much kept it wrapped until this morning. Wow. Well, it's such a pity then that the box have been played since then. Do you understand the reasoning to pull out of the rugby championship? Well, it's it's one fold. It's fitness, it's the conditioning, the fact that they'll have to travel. They haven't played enough rugby. I mean, look look at it this way. If you look at the way that Australia and New Zealand are playing, you realize, and you look at how the South African Super Rugby franchise are playing, you realize that they're at least eight, um, five, six weeks behind. I mean, remember that the New Zealand and Australian team or domestic teams um, started playing um, staggered in July. I mean, New Zealand rugby were up and running at the end of June, and that was a very big deal. And they played in front of big crowds because that was due to their country's ability to handle the coronavirus as effectively as they did. I mean, Australia, um, especially Victoria in particular, had very big issues um, with handling the coronavirus, but still, they were able to get a domestic tournament up and running. So I think the Springboks would have been very short of a gallop had they taken part. I think it would have been the left the slaughter, regardless of how good they are, no matter how good a team is. Um, look, you need to be conditioned, you need to be match fit. Uh, the box were nowhere near that. I mean, even when they were given that um, early October deadline, I think it was pretty clear that after two weekends of rugby, um, with no rugby from March and training only starting in August, it was pretty clear that these guys were never going to actually make it in time, but from a fitness and conditioning perspective. Mm. But now, a year later... It seems like SA Rugby hasn't made the strides that they expected since then because uh, we've uh, saw, seen that Saru sent out a strongly worded letter to its unions. Tell us more about what you understand uh, f- about this letter, from this letter, what's in this letter. 
the long and the short of it, um, Saru is a rugby wheel with the big stick to the Pumas um, with regards to fielding only two black players in their Super Rugby unlocked clash against um, against the Stormers. And also the, 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 the Bulls and the Cheetahs have been um, woefully short of the transformation requirements at the 21 level. And remember that that is one level where we've seen a number, especially age group level, that is where transformation has been strictly enforced. And it being strictly enforced has allowed a number of very good players like your Wandi Pilisimilanis, your Gianni Lombard, your Simabalu Kamlashes. There's a number of they too many to actually just uh, pull up the top of my head. But because of the latitude, the transformation latitude that's allowed them, it's given players a platform to, to actually perform and put their hands up. So, I mean, if you are not, if, if you're going to be delirious del- del- in your transformation duty at a 21 level, um, it's not only sending the wrong message, you are, you are, you are sinning and already thin pipeline. I mean, the, the pipeline is already going to be thin um, because of how COVID has affected rugby finances. So the pond of the, the pool of players will become smaller, and then it's, it's also going to have a knock-on effect because you are now going to have to balance um, your needs against making sure that your team is transformed. But also, it doesn't need to be done in a way that people do not perceive you not to transform because you're going to say that now that now that um, there's um, pay cuts, there's there's a lot less money going around in the game. That means now you can you can you have a reason to transform this because it's now a, a smaller pool of players to pick from because at the end of the day, um, South Africa South Africa is a majority black country, and in every sport it, it should be clear that um, with with resources allowing that there should be a majority black um, participation. I mean that hasn't been the case with rugby, it hasn't been the case with cricket, I think with hockey to an extent. So I mean the fact that now at age group level there's already transformation problems. Or two particular franchises because you throw that down to the Lions or Coach Bombs working with, they feel that the team that is 60% black and they actually went to the final and lost the Bulls on, on Friday. Yeah. So already you are going to have question marks over why are the Lions able to do this and you guys aren't able to. But also, again, you, that, that, that transformation can't just be left alone to work at age group level. It needs to be then filtered upwards to. It needs to be filled upwards to your curry cup level, your super rugby level, because let's be honest, again, some of the teams have actually fallen short um, from a transformation perspective at um, uh, at the higher level, which is where now it actually then starts to affect um, your Rusty Rasmuses and your Jacques Pinabas because they can only pick players who are playing at that particular level. They can't now go pitching at a 21 player and shoot him straight into the spring box because the fact that they need to transform. They need to have seen that player perform at curry cup and at super rugby level, from where now they can actually say, hey, this player's good enough um, to play at this high level. And again, people need to understand that transformation and performance can actually go together. I mean, there's always this thing that whenever transformation's been an issue, um, it's like we are weakening the team. Well, I mean, that the 2019 Rugby World Cup team will tell you that, yes, um, there was always a big um, issue with the numbers, or with the number of black players in the team. But the black players in the team actually performed well. I mean, um, look at how Chase Ben Colby, Lukanyo Arm, Makakole Mapiti, Trevor Nyakani actually played well in the New Zealand game before the ankle injury before him. I mean, Bongi Bonabe observed, you served uh, Malcolm Mark as the best who can in the country during that very same World Cup. But it's clear that when given the opportunity, when players, when coaches, when coaches and administrators open their minds and open their hearts and realize that transformation doesn't seek to replace, it seeks to ensure that there's inclusivity 
at every level, but also then, again, transformation just mustn't be something that is um, a program. It needs to be um, it needs to be a way of life. It needs to be, you need to see coaches, administrators believing that if there's a player who comes from rural Kakamas and he's played all his rugby there, all his life, moves to the Greek world, plays very well in the Greek world, moves to the Lions, that player needs to be believed in, not now looking at that particular player, kind of say the low, we need to give him more opportunities. Let's see how he'll go if he comes on the bench. Give him the same opportunity, you'd give a young center, you see. So it, it's sometimes, you know, I mean, transformation isn't a difficult thing. It, it shouldn't be a difficult thing. But sometimes it's politicized to a point where people think that um, there's going to be a certain takeover. It's not the case. Transformation seeks to ensure that you've got the best of everyone being able to participate. It needs to be something that is working from the grassroots up. To an example, that if there's a kid who comes from a Mount Frey, like a result of a that player needs to be able to develop in a particular environment. And when they get to a higher level, they don't have to actually leave their environment to go and thrive elsewhere. You're surprised that the under-21s, I mean, have transgressed because that's where you used to see a lot of transformation. And I remember about a month ago, actually, a friend of mine who's on the solo, she sent me a screen grab. He was watching it on TV and he sent me the teams. The Western province only had one black player. Blue Bulls had no black player in their team. And uh, the Free State had three black players. But the Lions, like you mentioned, had 12 in that team that he sent me. And they went on to reach uh, the final there. And in the, in the letter that SA Rugby sent, Free State are the West offenders with 74% white team, followed by the Bulls at 70. Are you surprised by this? It's not surprising because there is no punitive measure to enforce this. Mm. Again, the unions have a fair degree of autonomy to do as they please. Um, had that happened, I think, at cricket level, um, I suspect that that particular franchise, that particular, a particular franchise, a particular union, um, may have had a bit of a stern talking to from CSA. So I think the issue here is the rules are there. One, but are you able to enforce them and take and make sure that if a particular franchise transgresses once, you give them a warning. They transgress twice. You give, it's a verbal warning. You turn, they transgress twice to give them a written warning. And then they do so the third time. Then there's a primitive method because sometimes, it's, 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 it's sometimes trans- what I've hated about transformation, it's like disciplining a kid. You don't do something, you're spoken to. You don't do something, you're spoken to again. And then the big stick needs to be wielded for you to do that. So you find that now the transformation is no longer winning, but it has to be enforced because it's clear now that um, there's cognitive biases at play where Coaches believe that because of growing up in a certain environment, because this is, these are the kind of players that they've seen, these are, this is the kind of environment they've, they've exposed to, they haven't quite opened their mind to realize that players are good enough, regardless of the color, regardless of their feet. So, I mean, the fact that now they've been reprimanded is one thing. But are they going to be told that um, if you transcript again, this is what's going to happen, we will find you, we will dock you points for not transforming. Because well, I think that's the most important part. Now, if teams, because well, I think sometimes points making, it, it, it's like the it's like what you see with the CAS and the FIFA procedure resolution rulings. If you um fall foul of transfer regulations, you you actually pay the price. You actually dock points. You are banned from transferring players. So there they are punitive measures if you don't do things by the book. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we are actually in 2020 having to debate punitive measures to punish teams for not transforming is actually, again, it just shows an ugly side of rugby that people, when it's debated, 
then becomes a problem. People use their marbles. They actually move away from talking about the real issue of how rugby and rugby must be transformed, and then they just make it personal. And there's also a concern about the coaches from what we've seen in that letter. Mark Alexander, the president of Saru, saying that he can't justify when he's asked by the minister why there are seven white coaches. Uh, and I know this is an issue that we've, we've discussed a number of times. I think you were also on this show raising that exact issue. And I would think with the coaches being white, it can also be linked then to the teams being mainly white. I mean, again, it's cognitive biases. Uh, and again, it leaves coaches with very big problems. It leaves your Rassi Rassus with very big problems. In that, you are now unable to actually find a pool of coaches, a pool of black coaches who are able to actually now coach at a high level. Because an example now, if Rassi now needs, um, needs to employ a black assistant coach, um, first and foremost, where are they going to look? Are they going to look at super rugby level? No, because it's not the black head coach. Now they need to look at assistance. Again, those teams have been an assistance. Okay, the Stormers have two in Hanyane Shimang and one. So, but again, <clears throat> where are you going to start looking? It, it, it becomes a very big problem. And the thing is now, when you actually speak to these winners, they'll tell you about the programs they have in place, what they need to do, how things need to be done, but they are unable to confront the fact that they haven't been able to watch hire player coaches and actually trust player coaches with senior positions. It's, and when you ask them, why can't you do so? They are unable to give you straight answers. Okay. Uh, and for you, can you so I mean, okay, you've already touched on this. Some of the black coaches that should be getting a look in because people will say, but ah, where are the coaches? I mean, <laughs> Jonathan Mukwena um, should have long been given uh, this thing, a, a super rugby shot. He is far better qualified, far better. He's done his rounds. And yet you have an Ivan van Rooyen at the Lions, who's grown up in the system, the strength and conditioning coach, and he was given the job. So how do you confront the fact that there are, there are guys, he, he sticks out as a prime example of a highly qualified, competent coach who, who deserves to be in a super rugby coaching position, and yet he is not coaching at super rugby level. How do you explain that? You see, and again, it goes back to the debate of merit. People will say, especially there's, there's a big school of thought that will say that people need to be picked on merit. Now, if you put Jonathan Mukwena's uh, credentials and you put um, Ivan Fancel's credentials, it's clear that Jonathan Mukwena is the most qualified, is the most capable candidate. But who's coaching at super rugby level? Ivan Van Royen. So where's merit there? Does merit have a color? It's questions that people are fine, will find unable to answer. They'll talk about merit being the ultimate criterion. But when merit is weighed up and you see that the black candidate is the one who's better qualified, still the black candidate doesn't get the job. Is it blackballing? It's me. Okay, Kanye, so I think you've said a mouthful, eh? Lots to digest, but thank you very much for speaking to us about this matter. Hopefully, we will also get a comment from SA Rugby, but that's a tough one, guys. I don't know how many requests we have sent to SA Rugby, and they just refuse to do interviews. And it's not just us, so don't think it's about us. It's not us. I think it's just general. I think the the, the media struggles to get comments comments from SA uh, Rugby. But we're going to talk cricket now because there's another interesting issue that we picked up today in, in the four-day series that got underway to mark the start of domestic cricket. And uh, journalist uh, Zahir Adams will speak to us about that. Leading sport stories of the day on SAFM. 
Tabiso Musia on SAFM. So cricket is finally back in South Africa. There was some action around the country today, including Jacques Neyman hitting 100 before lunch for the Knights against the Warriors. But the Warriors had some issues going into that match. And uh, Zaire Adams joins us on the line, IOL cricket writer. And uh, he was going to tell us about this story that we saw in the Star newspaper actually this morning. Zaire, good evening. Thanks for taking our call on SAFM. Good evening, sir. How are you doing? Fine, thanks, Zahir. Interesting story, this about the Warriors. Six players out due to COVID. Firstly, is this the only case that you are aware of now that cricket is back? Um, good. First of all, I'd like to say the fact that we're speaking about COVID cases and not the fact that Newlands was a splendid day today. It was, you know, the sun was shining, the mountain was out, the grass was green, and there was cricket. That's yeah. what I want to talk about today. But unfortunately, yeah. um, that's not what we're going to speak about. But yes, yeah, so um, there have been cases during during the the build up. Uh, the players do go do have regularly tested. Um, there have been players during the preparation that have tested positive and then and then gone into isolation. And but. Um, this, this is a unique case. This is this is completely different of what what transpired with the Warriors. Mm. Um, for the for the listeners who are not aware, it was two um, two Warriors players were tested positive and they were in contact with with four others, um, re- requiring them also to sit out, which meant the Warriors lost uh, six players before their opening game, um, and they all happened to be to be black players, uh, and which meant that the Warriors. Um, to meet their transformation targets um, were under were under pressure. Um, I mean, it wasn't one or two players; it was six six mm-hmm. players that they that they lost. Um, and if we know the Warriors regularly field above the mandatory uh, six players and and three black Africans, um, they they regularly field seven to eight players. Sometimes Robin Peterson, the coach, is a, a strong advocate of transformation and 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 uniting and and re- understanding the the imbalances of the past and. Um, and this was a, a pretty unfortunate case. And he, he went to Cricket South Africa, he approached Cricket South Africa beforehand, saying this is the case, it's COVID-19, it's not injuries or, or lack of form or anything like that. It's, it's we're, in, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And unfortunately, Cricket South Africa, um, they did not uh, budge, unfortunately. Oh. And, uh, and, they, and they still, and, they, and, they, and their mandate was that he should still play the, the six um, players of uh, six players of color, the six black players, and which he didn't do today. He he felt uh, uh, Robin Peters and the coach of the Warriors. He felt he needed to to show faith in his squad at the beginning of the season, mm. and he wanted to show his players that um, you know I'm not just going to pick anybody. Um, I heard my good friend can you so speak about merit and mm. you know and, and and he gets quite passionate about these <laughs> things. Um, and and equally me. Um, and but. There's also a case when, when uh, common sense should prevail. We're in the middle of a pandemic, at least that's my opinion. And, and he fielded, he fielded six, six white players today and, five, um, and five, black, five black players or five players of color and only two black Africans instead of the three. And, he, and the Warriors might now face, face censure from, the, from, the, from CSA for this. And, and personally, I don't understand that. I, I think that we... We can all agree that it's, we, we, we want transformation to, to happen. We want, we, it has to happen aggressively. But we are in the middle of a pandemic. And to, and to draw a line um, on color, you know, on the basis of color in the middle of a, of a pandemic when people are literally with their lives at stake, I think that's a little bit unfair on the Warriors. But that's just, that's just my personal opinion. Sure. Well, yeah, because I thought that, was a, that would be a general opinion that at least they could argue exceptional circumstances. So you're saying CSA doesn't even understand exceptional circumstances in these days no. that we are living in. So it, it was, that's, the, that's the disappointing part that CSA have, um, 
they, they've they've made a, a ruling that um, they've had a, a members council meeting and they and they um, they've made a ruling that even um, that they discussed the impact of COVID nineteen on the domestic cricket, but they will, but all teams must still adhere to um, to to the transformation targets, and which I find are quite strange considering they are um, within their, their, their bylaws they've created for the new season that if a player tests positive um, or has symptoms or shows symptoms of COVID-19, then he can be replaced in the team. So, But it needs to be a like-for-like like replacement. So are we saying now a like-for-like like means black-for-black black or white-for-white? White? Is, that, is that what we, we're now stating as well? So that, that's a little bit disappointing, I, I think. And, and again, I say that we all want to see transformation take place within all our sports, not just cricket. And we, we've, we advocates of we, Cricket South Africa and, and cricket in general went through a difficult winter where the BLA movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, became a prominent um, aspect in the discussion within cricket. And, and that is something that remains something that needs to be discussed. But this, this is unique circumstances. Surely we could have come to a more sensible and uh, agreeable solution. That uh, I, I think it is. And by the way, Zahir, now that you've got you on the line, we actually on this show think that you're the guy that started this talk about the Black Lives Matter movement even before. Really? And, yeah, that's before Lungingidi spoke, because you spoke to Aaron Pangis, all right? Yes. And I remember the story you did even before Lungingidi was asked. Did you expect it to, to have such a domino effect? My, my man, that is what I'm... What I'm, that, I'm thank you for saying that, because the story of Aaron Pangis is something that we've been writing for since... I mean, I've, I'm a cricket journalist for the last... 15 years and mm. and we've seen the, and I've been fortunate enough to to travel with the Proteas and around the world and, and you've seen the pain of mm. somebody like Aaron Pangisa on a World Cup not playing. You've seen a guy like Wayne Pannell, um being given one game at the World Cup and then not played throughout the next two months. You've seen um, guys like Garnet Kruger mm. in two, you know, back in previous years. You've seen these guys. You've seen the pain of being of being dominant performers in domestic cricket, dominant performers, and then joining the national team. Guys like Ashwell Prince, who, you know, who've had to go way above the, 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 the actual feet just to be recognized. And, and that pain is something that you've seen over the years. So I, I, if, I, if I did something with, with, with Aaron Pangiso, it, it's, it's a fantastic, but it's something that I believe that I've tried to do for the last 15 years as long as I have, because the, the, it's a simple thing that, there are imbalances and there are um, mm. that we've come from and we need to highlight this. But in the same aspect, we also need to understand that we're trying to, we're not saying we need to pick people purely for the sake of picking. Because mm. just think about it. What, what did Robin Peterson have to do? There has been no amateur cricket. There's mm. been no club cricket. So did he have to go down and find a cricketer, basically, that hasn't played since February? Just based on and, the colour. You know, based on his colour, and then just throw him in into the first class seat, and and that that would be unfair to the young man. That would be unfair to the, you know. Then you're making a mockery of the system. And and I actually think Robin Peterson, and it's 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 not that you again. Uh, this is a man that stood up firmly for the BLM movement. Somebody that that believes in transformation, but he's also saying there is a place for for trust in our environment. There is a place for everybody in our environment because we should. The whole idea of transformation is, is equality, and it's about it is also about providing equal opportunities, and it's about non-racialism. Yeah. So, how do we how do we strive towards that? Just and quickly, in in twenty seconds now, what kind yes, of sir. sanctions or what kind of trouble are they in now as the Warriors? 
so the, at, at the moment, nothing has been stated yet from Cricket South Africa officially. Um, we do know that the Cobras, um, they they were in a similar situation last year. Yes, there was an inquiry, yes, and there was an yeah, and there was an inquiry, but nothing actually came of it. So we don't know um, what CSA is actually what they're actually going to do, um, and and what 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 is their next step um, they're going to take. But um, we I do know that they have made it. They have agreed in members' council that they that there will be no, um, basically all um, transformation rules sure. will apply during COVID. Okay, Zahir, thanks for speaking to us. Uh, we'll leave it there for now, but thanks for the story and thanks for the insight. That's Zahir Adams, the IOL sports writer. And you can listen to our bulletins for all the scores. We've been keeping you updated with day one of this four-day series throughout the afternoon. So all through the four days, just listen to us on SAFM.